The following pendant production contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. <laughs> Hello everyone. It's a line commentary. Yay! Uh, my name's uh, Chris Britton, and I do all the shit to do with this show in terms of the uh, you know stuff in front of the computer, um, typing and editing and clicking on mouses. And uh, with me is M. Zero Garcia. Hi. Yeah. You can tell them what you do. They're probably the first one they're listening to. Well, I annoy the fuck out of you to get your shit done. That's very true. I edit, and then I do, I kind of help with the script. I kind of helped in the inception. Um, But I just kind of help. I'm a helper. Exactly. You are are a helper. And when you're not, you drive me to drinking cigarettes, which is what I'm doing now. I'm just drinking, period, because smoking's bad for you. Shut up. Um, <laughs> oh, hello, everyone. It's been, it's been a long time. And, of course, it hasn't. It's been a month for, for you guys. Um, it's been a long time for us because we, uh, we did the episode one and two commentaries when Em was visiting me um, in, in good old UK. I'm still here, but she is far, far away in Washington, D.C., which is a silly place because it's nowhere near here. Um, okay. Yeah, that's not going to work, is it? You're a silly boy. Anyway, so, Chris, what brings us together today? Is it episode three of the line? It is episode three of the line. We should probably talk about that shit, shouldn't we? Um, Episode three titled La Terra. Yes, which means sides uh, in Latin, because all the episode titles are Latin. For the moment, I'm going to get bored of that really quickly. Don't worry about it. So they're going to change to something else. I might go to, like, Hebrew or... uh, or, or, or some what's that one language they always use in films and they think it's ancient Aramaic that's it Aramaic um, which nobody actually spoke during the time of Jesus um, fun fact there for you anyway uh, yeah it's called Sides um, and it was originally a part one and episode four was a part two and they kind of tied together and then I came to reading them both and realised they were both two completely different episodes. So this became a standalone on its own because this episode is pretty much the Kitty Shadow Show. It is. It's all about Kitty. Um, and and we adore Kitty Shadow. And, we do, uh, she, we do love Kitty. I, she's, she is a character that um, was one of the very f- first characters. I had this idea ages ago for a completely different show, actually, about someone who throws themselves off a bridge to kill themselves and then wakes up somewhere else and they're not dead and it failed and that kind of metamorphosed into Kitty whereby she she kills herself um, and and she's not allowed to die and then I added in the idea that not only is she not allowed to die at that point she's not allowed to die ever and she is brought back as a, uh, uh, the indestructible Kitty Shadow Yes, who says fuck a lot. Seriously, seriously a lot. Even more than Steph, which I didn't think was possible. No. Um, I do hope that people don't think that, like, I just write fucking when I can't think of another word. Because it's not, I do actually try and craft the fucks um, into the language, and I put them where I genuinely think people would actually say them. Well, Um, I think it's, because it's genuinely and generally used so much more differently than it is... In British vernacular than it is in the in well not vernacular in sentence structure and in oh here's that really great music um 
it's you it's such a conversational word it's not as taboo as it is here so when I when I do watch and listen to British TV shows and movies and such it is a very common word like the C word yeah I mean I, I and I worry about that I worry quite often that I put too many Britishisms not in terms of the the the, the the localized language because you are very good at telling me when people don't say shit like that in America. Nobody um, uses whilst yes, in America. Yes, no, I know, and apparently I don't use whilst in real life either. I just like. But to you write, write it. it like sixty times. I know. I know. Anyway. Anyway. So, so I do worry about that, but um, I mean, for, like Quentin Tarantino films. I mean, no one. I know no one actually speaks like that in real life. But then I just I was like, fuck it, you know, like it. it in anything, in TV, movies, radio shows, people don't speak like they do in media. Mm. Generally, it's very rare you come across something where people actually speak like they do in real life. Mm. Um, in fact, I can only really think of a handful of things off the top of my head, and this is not one of them. And I'm all right with that. I'm fine with that fact. Um, oh, here we go. We're finding a little bit more about kitty. Not to interrupt. We're finding a little bit more about you know kitties. Where Kitty really came from, where the Kitty that we see now. We are well. This is her. This is her. Uh, yeah, the original origin. You know, she's a high-class lawyer. You know, fucking good defense attorney. So obviously defending a lot of people who may or may not be guilty. We don't know. And then she's she's out at sea with her family, and um, a storm hits, and this is her and her father, played by Tom Reed. Kitty, obviously played by Cat Pride. I don't know if I mentioned that earlier. Um, there you are. That's pretty much all you need to know. Um, this was an aggressive. This is a really well done scene. I mean, I, it, this is not that this is some sort of circle jerk of you did a great job and oh you did a great job. But this scene was put together really well. Thank you, sweetie. I love it. I do like circle jerking. You know, it's good. It, it's 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 a nice stress relief at work. Um, anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> Well, we do have a disclaimer at the beginning of the commentary, so it's okay. <laughs> Whatever. Nobody cares. There are like two people listening. <laughs> Hello, two people. Hi, we uh, love you. Oh, God, it's me and you. <laughs> I really hope that their commentary isn't longer than the show this time. I, I know. That was great. That was that was really good. Um, see, we're really giving away when we record this now, aren't we? We record this after episode one went out, so there's a bit of feedback, which is nice. We love feedback. Um, um, and the one, one real negative comment we had was that the commentary was longer than the show. Like, we talked too much. I mean, it's weird, but it's 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 it's, it's not a negative point. I would think it was anyway. kind of important because you really wanted to get across where the line came from, and we didn't really get a chance to discuss that during the show. No, we spend so much time talking bullshit. Yes, um, like now, like now. So, so yeah, I mean, this is, this is going to be a bit of a difficult commentary in terms of talking about what's going on because it is there's not a lot of action. We kind of have the action scene. Mm-hmm. Um, there's sort of one more coming up in a minute, but that that was sort of the big the big main action scene, and then the rest of it is just a conversation between Steph and Kitty, and I, I really enjoyed how it came out because I thought, oh my god, is this episode going to be boring? Um, you know, is it just it's just everyone's going to go, oh my god, when's something going to happen? Isn't she like you know, hasn't she got the powers of from God now? Can't she go and kill some demons? Well, and, she... and this oh go ahead. No, no, no I was just going to say she will kill demons, just not yet. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, for me, this whole episode, because it is the Steph and Kitty show, it was really about 
establishing more of the baseline, more information, more about what's going on. And it's from a very obscure, acerbic glass, you know, not even pragmatic, a real negative point of view. Like, look, you know, God fucked me over and now you need to make sure that I do what I want to do. And it's really, it's all about Kitty. But you learn, you, you get you get a lot more information that you need. So you really do, I do suggest paying attention because there's, there's little bits and pieces that kind of lead into what, what will make you understand Kitty more. And I don't know, I, I, I really felt it was important to tell this story. I mean, the first version of this script was 43 pages long, but... <laughs> I think I think you told the story very well and very tightly, but there's just so much important information that it and it works so well. And Tanya really has embraced the character of Stephanie and Kat. I mean, you could throw her the phone book and she'd make it sound fantastic. Absolutely, and I, I yeah, and I agree. And you said that much better than I could have. So thank you. Um, and for the nice words, I think that. The, the, that was that was the crucial relationship for the beginning mm, for the at least the first few episodes in this series while we're building the group while we're building the people together i think that was a, crucial right well and it is a very crucial relationship period going on yeah. so there's so much distrust in this but like you know when everyone else gets the opportunity to see what goes on yeah it just it, you'll see just how important this particular episode is Absolutely. Ooh, there's some sassy beat music going on there. I know, we, we change it up a bit here, um, because I wanted to break up the Kitty and Steph conversation a bit, um, add a few more things, so we've got a bit of time for a bit of, a bit of Joe. Ah, uh, Joe. Joe bit, Holt. Bit of Joe, bit of rap, and a bit of a fight. I abhor violence. You <laughs> <laughs> Joe is the amazing Mr. You're looking up his name, aren't you? It's Xander Mobus. No, he's sitting right in front of me. I was doing a setup so you could say it. Oh, right. We we failed. Sorry, everyone. Anyway, it is Xander Mobus. And here we have Bully 1 and Bully 2. I'm sorry I didn't give you guys names. Um, uh, Played by Richard Castro and Matt Weller. Um, And there's a... There's a nice little sleazy quality between them. Something I didn't put in the script, and I only actually came up with, I wanted to put music behind the scene, but I didn't. I wanted it to be music that was actually there. So, as the scene opens, it kind of merges from the loud, pure version of the track into this kind of distorted, crappy version that they're supposed to be playing on their mobile phone. Uh, One of them's got a mobile phone. It's not in the script, and at some point you hear a small crack and the music just stops. Like an iPhone, but other phones are available. Exactly. Exactly like that. And indeed, other phones are available. But not as good. Um, Thank you, Steve Jobs. And this, this is the scene where we discover Joe has something very special about him. We do. Uh, well, no, we're not exactly discovered, because we discovered that in episode two. But it's, oh, we did. That's right. I'm wrong. I no, it's okay. No, 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 it's fine. No, no, I mean, we discovered in episode two that he is receiving visions for whatever reason. But this is the first time that he receives one, and this one is almost given to him to help him, because he is being 
uh, having the shit kicked out of him. Right. And this one allows him to fight back as well. So it's not only a, it's not only a prophecy that he gives; it also gives him the power to beat these bullies and indeed break one of the break one of the hang, hands. Um, and yeah, so so yeah, so Joe's slightly more powerful, I think, than he's originally uh, introduced as, and there will be more coming on that in later episodes. And then, ah oh, yes, and his little pal Lance here, who Chris Hackney, I have, I have a little audio crush on Chris Hackney right now for his portrayal of Lance. Again, like Steph and Kitty, I think this is very crucial that these two bounced off each other really well. I think mm-hmm. they do. And that's the thing, you can write this shit, like, you know, I can write these words, but if if the people who play them don't bounce, if there's no chemistry there, then it just it's just going to fucking fall flat, you know? And they bring it to life. And any crap writing that I've put in there, they waltz over it and make it sound a hell of a lot better, for which I am eternally grateful. Um... No. And, uh, yeah, I love this little bit. Lance was just been hiding, watching his friend get beat up because he didn't want to get hit. Um, <laughs> oh, and the rant about, um, what is it? Uh, your little magic trick. It's such a smart-ass thing to say that you could only really get away with saying to one of your dear friends to be that, that shitty to them. Quite. I hope I hope Lance and Joe don't come off as too cliché, you know, the two geeky boys who get beaten up and their money stolen and, uh, and shit. Um, I mean, that was part of the reason why I set this outside of school, because I didn't, you know, they're 17. In fact, in Lance's case, he's 18. And I didn't want it to be like, you know, they're, they're in... Senior year? Is that final year? Senior? Senior year, yeah. Hey, there we go. See? I oh, know shit. They're, they're in senior year, so clearly they're not getting beaten up at school with their lunch money taken, but they're out in town, they're in the park, and you know, and these guys, it's just, Angel Falls is not a massive town, it's quite large, but it's not massive, and people know, you know, some people know each other, and these guys have been targeting them through all of high school. Um, and uh, goes after Joe for the Joe for his money. So, so yeah, I hope they're not too cliched as the two geeky boys. Um, but they certainly they will come into their own in their own special way. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lance is the uh, Lance is the geeky boy who thinks he is God's gift to women. Lance is, is that wingman with no wings. Yeah. Quite. <laughs> yes. Oh you, yeah. <laughs> I'm reasonably sure it's because they want to have set Joe! No! I know, and Joe kind of has no off filter at all. Um, he's, he just, he's and programmed. I have known That's people like way. Joe just really have no, got no filter. I don't have much of a filter, to be fucking honest. So, so maybe, maybe there's a little bit of myself coming out in Joe, I don't know. But just the idea of just saying things as they are, and he doesn't really give a shit. Um, he doesn't really want anything out of life other than to read his books and watch watch sci-fi and you know learn about science and and not get all his uh, education stamped on by religious fundamentalists. Mm. It's not going so well at the moment. No, it's rough being Joe. It is rough being Joe. <laughs> Any seventeen-year-old boy who uses the word Philistines, you know, is going to get the shit kicked out of him. Yeah, I know. Philistines, I almost told him to re-record that, because here we would say Philistine. But I checked, and it is actually Philistine. Um, So I was like, well, you're right. how we say it in America. I know. Hooray. Oh, man. You are a fucking geek, aren't you? Yeah. (laughs) 
And that was the other thing about them. I didn't want them to be, like, geeky, nerdy, and, like, all drugs and alcohol and swearing. We don't do any of that shit. You know, they're still Let's good. Let's go home and play D&D. You know, I mean, fine. Fucking hell, I love a bit of D&D, but I like D&D <laughs> if you've got, like, a joint in your hand and, you know, some uh, some booze on the table. Um, and then you can, you know, fuck afterwards. Um, that's the best kind of D&D. So I wanted them to sort of be... Edgy, I don't know where like you played D&D. I went to Catholic school, so... We didn't so did really I. Play D- yeah, but we didn't play D&D like that. Ah, uh, well... <laughs> Nobody got laid after our D&D games. Just weren't living. Weren't fucking living. Right, we're back to uh, Kitty, and we introduce a new character here. Mm. Uh, the enigmatically named figure in black. And I would like to point out, lost yeah. fans... That I came up with the name Figure in Black before they came up with a character called Man in Black. Just putting that out there. Yeah, okay, it's the most unoriginal fucking name ever, isn't it? I know, I'm sorry. Um, there is a purpose to the Figure in Black, played uh, by Gwendolyn Jensen Woodard, although I've modded the hell out of her voice. Um, hopefully to sound, make her sound a bit creepy and weird, possibly to make her sound a bit crap, in which case I apologise, Gwendolyn. Um... But yeah, a little, little, little bit more of info given away here. Mm, more interesting stuff. Plus a nerdy reference to the Matrix. Um, as you do. Um, Where? Oh, that's... Hold on. Is there? Yeah, there the fig- is. Yeah, the figure in back talks about jacking her back in, and that always immediately made me think of the Matrix, so I thought it would probably make Kitty think of it as well. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Ah, so, um, I think yeah. you know what. As much as modded as it is, it does. It sounds good. I think so. It's my first real exploration of reverb. I'm putting hard, hard reverb on a line so you get that forward echo. Um, uh, see, this is this is how fucking amateur I am at directing shit. I don't even know the proper names for things. Forward <laughs> echo, uh, but that's what it sounds like. It's it's reverse echo. Um, although I did actually go a bit further and reverse the line and put an echo on it and then turn it the right way around again, so every word has the beginning of the word echoed before it's actually said. Uh, oh, that's cool. Well, it's a trick they use in horror films quite a lot. So um, creepy. I think they used to do it on Freddy Krueger uh, back in the very early Nightmare films. And the good ones. Yeah, I know. There's a new one out now. I haven't seen it yet. Um, I wouldn't. Well, really, I haven't heard good things, but I probably will go and see it because it's a you know, horror film. <laughs> But yeah, I think I think it probably will be shit. Like all these remakes of slasher films. Anyway, um, this is not a remake. This is an original show. Yes, it um, is. And again, Kitty incredibly skeptical about it all. Or if not, in fact, in fact, you know what? That's wrong. Kitty isn't skeptical. Kitty's pretty much, oh right, okay. Well, I just want to die. You know, all my family are dead. My girlfriend's dead. You know, everyone was killed in front of me, and I was left alive. I don't want to be here. And the figure in black says, no, you're going back to Earth, and you're never going to be allowed to die again, um, until you have completed your task. My favourite line, I'm going to, um, you know, wank myself a bit here, but I, I did enjoy your raison d'etre, your raison de mortre. I, I, I don't know. Has that been done before? I'm sure if I googled it, it had, but I liked it anyway. I don't know. No. 
No. It's all you. It's all you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My ass it is. <laughs> and you uh, just totally stepped over Jim Hamilton's cameo. Jim Hamilton's tiny little cameo there as the Doctor. Who just all gets, two words. Who gets to say charging clear, I know. Um, bring her back into the real world. So that's an important role. Um, well, I just thought it was awesome because it was the Doctor. And he <laughs> thought it was awesome because it was the Doctor. I know, you big nerds. Um, Suck it. Because I, I, I do try, and this is something I really consciously think about, is not putting characters in there for no reason. Right. So I, I don't like just to put a role in there, and I felt a bit bad as because we've got Bully One and Bully Two. They don't have names. Are they going to recur? Yeah, probably not. We've got the Doctor. Is he really going to recur? He's a Doctor in New York. It's set in Angel Falls. Probably not. And I, I, you know, unless unless a character has to, it's not like TV where you can have a cast of a thousand extras. Um, <laughs> you know, I really feel there needs to be a good justification for a person, like in a play. You know, in a play, if there's a character on stage, it's got to be a fucking good reason for that character to be there. Mm. Um, and I, I feel the same about this. I feel, I, you know, I, I really. So I feel a bit bad. I cheated a bit with this episode. There are a few, probably too many um, extra roles. The bully could have probably been. The bullies could have been maybe one person. They could have been someone that comes into the plot later on. The doctor. I, okay, I could have just got away with not using. Anyway, I'm rambling. Um, but yes, those are my cheating things. Anyway, back to Steph and Kitty now. Um, <laughs> And the scene's getting more tense. Something that Tanya did, and I haven't really directed um, this at all in my notes or anything, but it, it works quite well, is kind of episode one and two with Gabriel. She's really, like, hard-ass. You know, mm-hmm. she she really pushes, and she is the she is the most acerbic. When she gets confronted with Kitty, she almost begins to sound a bit pacifying and a little bit, whoa, okay, calm down. Um, and I kind of, I like the idea that, you know, she's been through a real ordeal. Mm. You know, she's been in a coma, she's on crutches now, she's in pain, she's only just got home. And so she isn't quite as feisty as she was when we first met her. Mm. And I think Tony deals with that really well. And we've spoken about that. And again, that's another uh, emotional journey that sort of pays off in the next the next couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes... Yes, 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 yes. You talk about it. I've been rambling for ages. Um. So you dropped you in it there, didn't I? <laughs> Yay. Awesome. Thank you. As I... I, I, don't, I don't really know what else to say. Other than... It's, it's a big listener. This is one of those listening. And I'm half listening to you and half listening to the episode to remember the bits and pieces. And I remember reading it and was looking... Was really curious how this was going to come across, and it it made even more sense when I heard it. Like, it always does. But I agree with you the way Steph sounds. I think the way that Tanya has kind of... Just just in two episodes, there's there's been enough drama and trauma that she's evolved. And then to see Kitty's origin and how she's de-evolved to a point. Totally, yeah. And then it's not really fair for me because I know where they're going. So it's really, it's just, I'm very impressed. Very impressed. And and the layers that that are kind of coming through that I remember seeing when, you know, this was originally like 300 pages worth of stuff. And now it's 
as it's coming to life, I can see it so much even clearer that I, I just really I'm enjoying it quite a lot. Good. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I like that as well, being able to hear it. And I'm not just, you know, yanking one. I'm no, no, I know, I know, I know. I know. And I, you know I mean, Because I'll tell you if I don't like something. I'll totally, it's not perfect. I mean, there's, there's, there's stuff in this script, you know, I wish I kind of added now when I look back at it. There's bits I would have taken out. There's a few, there's a few dud lines in there. I sort of think, yeah, I, mean, I, haven't, I haven't actually pointed one out. I should probably say those. It just sounds like I'm trying to be, uh, I'm trying to be um, self-deprecating. I'm not. I'm genuinely not, you know. Been, actually, this this next scene is all right. I, I mean, God, ev- everyone involved is fantastic. Michael King here is Father Jacob. Um, I will tell you. I mean, this scene it, it always felt a little awkward, and I I don't know if it's because I don't know if it's because of what I know, or if it's because I've I've experienced this kind of Catholic church where it's in the in this kind of Catholic person. And 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 a congregation of this, you know, and I used to be one of these people that it was in where it was just complete blind faith. Which not that there's anything wrong with that, but it just I think it just weirds me out a little to have to have this very you know Kool Aid drinking kind of family and this you know what I mean by Kool Aid drinking, right? You know, totally, absolutely, yeah. So and Father Jacob is just. Is just taking it, you know. Michael King does a really good job of of really playing it a little a little off for me. Um, not off bad, but off like you know where I question his intentions, kind of. No, I think so. And I think he's got that nice thing because obviously he's a Catholic priest, um, and the words he uses at closing the ceremony there are not the traditional end of a Catholic mass. Read into that what you will, um, and also I think the way he plays the character almost sounds more like uh, evangelist preacher. He, yeah, you, you do get some of those hardcore Catholic priests like that, though. Exactly. And so I, it still it still rings very true. Um, and I wanted to split. Oh yeah, I wanted to split that character out. Sort of, uh, you've got Bishop Gilliam who. Uh, uh, Bishop Francis, right, I've got to explain this now, haven't I, because I've done that before. He was originally, the bishop was called Bishop Gilliam, and we changed his name really late in the production to Bishop Francis, like about three weeks before the first script came out. And he is Bishop Francis, and I know this, but when I talk about him, sometimes I say Bishop Gilliam, and that's a really bad sound of commentary. But that's why, and there's a reason we changed the name, it's not just an arbitrary We'll just choice. call it a little asterisk. In the commentary, and people will see the side note at the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> yes, this is, the, this is the footnote. And now back to the script. Um, back to Kitty and Steph. Kitty and so, yeah, so we have Father Jacob, we have Bishop Francis. Are they connected? Uh, I mean, they're both part of the Catholic Church. Well, one would suggest yes, but we haven't seen them interact. Um, and and that's, that's kind of one of the things that will play out now, um, is those two uh, involving themselves in the world in, in very different ways. Mm. Um, Coming up is one of my favorite bits. And yeah, me too. The is whole it the same bit. So you may understand if I'm not all up with crazy drunk women in my house. <laughs> all up with crazy drunk women up in my house. You have no idea how much I wish you hadn't She's told me just, about. Just I adore Tanya. Yeah. I really do. No, I've got crush on Tanya right now. Fun, fun, fun. I'm sure you're not the only one. She's just it's delicious. Fun. This is my bit of nerdiness we've got here, where they talk about the dates. Um, I, I'm really obsessive about 
placing things in time, I think it's important. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be for every show, but I think for this show, dates are important. They're not mm. the be all and end all of the show, but they are. They are important. They are relevant, and I felt it. You know, the fact that Steph gets hit on the sixth of January, which is the Epiphany, and the fact she's unconscious forty days and forty nights, and I wanted that to be actually. You know, I wanted Steph to have to work that out, I and mean, it pointed out she's not very good at math. Um, or maths, as we would say here, but anyway. Um, so, so, so there's that little bit there, and that kind of places, so you know the date that this episode's taking place, and you will find that as the episodes come on, there tends to be some kind of date reference. I try not to make it like, what is the date, Joe? Ooh, let me look at my watch. It is, it is 4.45 yeah. on May 11th. I do try my best not to do that, but I do think, I think it's nice to know when, especially as it's kind of this is going to be coming out in right. 2010, when all the episodes are set in 2010, and we're going to, there right. is going to be references to real goings on in the world. I just, uh, I, I, I love the 40 day reference because it's, I know when we were going through all of this last year and digging through things and just found how, how the number 40 is referenced in so many faiths. That's it. I mean, it has a very obviously a very strong Christian uh, bias towards it in the Western world. But mm-hmm. if you'd grown up in another country that is not uh, Christianity based, or if you'd grown up just involved in another religion, forty does come up again and again and again. So um, that was quite an important number to get in there. More um, on that later. More on that later, indeed. Is this your favourite scene? This is this is my favourite bit where Kitty proves that she can't die with the knives that mysteriously fall apart. See, that's just, uh, it's not my favorite scene, it just weirds me out. It just really weirds me out. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, and then kind of, because the logic, you start thinking, what would happen if she just picked up a solid metal knife and stabbed it herself? What would happen then? But something would. Something would prevent her from dying. And that's the thing with Kitty, she's not immortal in the conventional sense. She can't be stabbed and be okay. Something, fate, stops whatever it is from killing her. She's got a force field. Yeah. Well, no, no, it's not even a force field. It's like, as she talks about earlier, you know, she tried to hang herself and someone came and saved her. She tried to kill herself with pills and all the pills turned out to be placebo. This final line, I wrote this and I knew, I knew that final line had to be exactly as Kat says it. And she said it exactly the way I wanted her to say it. And I was just like, oh my God. It's just, it, it's just, it's... That that screaming down the road, at her, and then that, that I just want this to end. Oh my god, the sadness in her voice, and I think Kit- Kitty is, I hope, comes across as a very tragic character. Um, and whether she'll remain tragic or not remains to be seen, but certainly to start with. Tragic character. And we have the trailer for the next episode. Trailer already approaching the end of the commentary. I know, I know. There's just so much. There's just so much. You people just don't fucking understand. I did go back, by the way, because I still have my the Bible of the first original version of this script. Yeah, it's a ream and a half of paper. Yeah, I know. Well, it's there was a the whole thing about eight hundred sheets of paper. That, that, we that, read through and edited 800 sheets of paper. That's quite impressive. <laughs> uh, I know this episode's a lot long. We had a lot more about Kitty and what was going on with her. 
um, a lot more about how she the different methods she used to kill herself because I had loads of other ideas you know um, guns that kept jamming and um, yeah but it's 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 how this is kind of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like in cooking, when you when you're cooking something down to get rid of the water, so you have only the flavor. Um, when you're reducing it, reducing so it, the reduction, this beautiful reduction that's come out of all of these. Um, it's really quite well done. There's, you know, we have our fights about different things. Yeah, we but do, but the, but I think no, I think well, well, you are instrumental in this fact. Because I'm rubbish at editing my own work. I write a script and then I go, oh my god, it's done. I never want to see it again. And um, then I send it back going, could you rewrite these three pages? Yeah, which is fine. And that's okay, because then I've got direction. If I read it myself, I'm just like, oh my god, I don't know what to do. Mm. Um, so I'm very grateful to the fact that you are so keen to read it in such depth. I am. <laughs> tell I am. me I when I'm going on. It's, I, I really, and I'm really quite thrilled that I, and I, I've, I've went, you know, puked on about that before. I just, oh, I'm so excited to be part of the project. I really am. I do like where it's going, and being someone who has, you know, I find myself in, I find myself in all those characters' positions every once in a while. Not like, you know, literally, but yeah, I don't really often stand in front of a bus, but or run in front of one. But it just, it's a really amazing story that I just want to know more about. So to be involved in it, I'm quite, I'm quite thrilled. I'm glad. I'm glad. And, um... if, and if anything, it's made understanding my faith even more confusing. So thanks. Oh God, I'm actually impacting people's religious thoughts. That's a terrifying concept. Um, I don't know what it's doing to my own, to be honest. Um, sorry, the commentary is going to be longer than the episode. We're going to go on a bit now. Uh, not long, I promise. Uh, but stick around, it'll be fun. Um, I don't know what it's done to mine. I mean, you know, I, I went through a period where I was definitely an atheist. And then I kind of thought, well, atheism is, is almost as an extreme and I would say, and I apologise if it's caused offence, but this is how I think, I'd say as an ignorant position as blind, blind faith, because it's assuming to, total knowledge. And I don't believe anyone has total knowledge mm. of anything, really. You, you have faith in things. I think faith is fine. But blind faith, that idea that something must be true just because you believe in it, or it must be true because someone's told you and then you believe in it, I'm just like, no, I'm not, I'm not so on board with that, because... Facts change every day. Scientific facts change every day. I mean, that's why I, I have a love of science, even though I'm not particularly very good at it. Um, and I don't understand a huge amount of it, but I do love science for the fact that nothing in science is true. They have, they've proved things to a point. Everything has proofs, but those proofs can be disproved and often are by other scientists. That's why everything is, is considered a, a scientific theory. That doesn't mean it's not true. People who say, well, evolution's only a theory. Um, evolution probably is true. There's a huge amount of evidence suggesting that it's true. But someone probably. might come along and show that it's something else. How could evolution not be true? Well, no, no, no. Well, I, well, I, I agree. I, I believe that evolution is true. I believe that Darwin was correct, and I believe that all the evidence found since then backs up his original theory. Um, however... 
who's to say in 50 years time another scientist comes along and says, well, that's not exactly how it happened. Little tiny microbes from an asteroid came down and someone sprinkled miracle Grow, and voila! Precisely. 35 million forms of genetic code. Yeah. I mean, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't 100% know. We 99.9% know. And I think that's the thing. So I, I was always very much, yes, I, I was, I, for a while I was like, no, I'm an atheist. But I don't think I am. I, I am, I am a, 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 an atheal agnostic. I don't know if atheal is a word. <laughs> that is now. Sounds a bit dirty, doesn't it? Mm, atheal. Atheal agnostic. Mm, yeah, I think it sounds dirty in the bad sense of the word. Um, but, um, yeah, but no, I, you know, I, I, I don't believe in, in God. I don't believe in, um, in an almighty being have any sort of credence on our world but I don't think that there can't be one I don't believe there isn't a god or isn't many gods or there isn't many things out there that are much more powerful and much more intelligent than us that perhaps have some bearing on our existence um, I just don't know and I think just not knowing is fine by me that doesn't upset me. It seems to upset some people when they don't know something in that aspect, in the greater scheme well, of things. I think that what upsets people is that they take what they believe very, very seriously. Mm. And if they feel that someone is mocking them, that's when it goes to an extreme where it could be difficult. And then, you know, people fear what they don't understand. So if they don't understand why you feel the way that you feel... They they just like well what's wrong with you well there's nothing wrong with you you're just different yeah and they fear what's different and you know a lot of uh, I I've fallen out with a lot of my dear people who I was very close to because I was brought up a certain way to believe a certain way and now I've kind of changed my beliefs and my family has completely supported me in that and but others cannot and it's because they don't understand where I'm coming from and that's why they've chosen to be negative about it. And, you know, I'll admit I'm negative about it myself when it gets taken to a point where it's, it's where it, it, to me, sometimes it's lunacy. It's absolute lunacy. Yeah. And I think that's the but thing. It's, it's, but it's my belief and it's how I feel. And I'm not, I don't feel, I, I don't feel it's my place to tell them, well, you're a lunatic and you should stop. It's more like, all right, if that's if that is how you make yourself right with your creator, that's sweet. That's totally great. But if you're going to push that on me and tell me that I'm wrong that about my relationship with my creator, that's where I have a problem. Just back off and if we all just believe let our, each other believe, if we could all just take a moment to understand, I, that's very altruistic too, you know, and, I, and and naive. So I'm just gonna shut it and drink my Guinness. I don't. I don't think it's altruistic. I don't think it's naive. I think it's it, it's it's a realistic perspective. Yeah, if everyone could think like that, would be great. But of course, then how do you reconcile people's who beliefs impinge on other people's way of life? I think that's the thing. I am very much yeah, believe what you want to believe, but it can't impact on someone else. So well, I I find it hard to believe that there's a creator out there that will say, I've made everything, but those six over there, they suck. So be sure to kill them so that you can go to heaven and get fucked by virgins. Well, that's or, yeah. you know, you should chastise these 12 because they choose to love their own gender instead of loving the opposite gender so they can make more babies for the world to have and believe what I want you to believe. Well, that's it. God made man in his own image. Now, that's a very sexist comment. 
Um, but anyway, let's go with God made humankind in its own image. Well, that means God's at least half fucking gay, um, which I'm quite on board with. Um, but, you know, if gay people exist, which they do, and if transgender people and bisexual people exist, which they do, then God, and if God exists on top of that and did make us, then God made those people and therefore he, it, she or they are on board with it. So shut the fuck up, the rest of you. Is kind yeah. of is, is kind of where I fall down on it. We're going Equally, into a whole different kind of podcast. <laughs> we are, we are, but that, that's we all right. We should start a different podcast. Oh, I hear people turning off their iPods. No, no, don't turn it off. Don't turn it off. <laughs> we will wrap it up there. We might continue okay. this next next month. Um, next time, on episode four. Wheel is of faith. Quite an interesting one. It's quite a long one. Wow, it's a long episode. Yikes. Um, took me a long time to put that together but it's it's quite a lot of fun so please come back and join us it's uh tom tom davies gets to shine um in more ways than one hello baby uh, oh yeah um so just keep waiting for that um <laughs> so unless you have anything else my lovely um i do I'm, not my dear okay well let's call that a month um oh, oh. I'm almost and, done with McGuinness. That was I a know, good, I'm that was a good recording life. session. I smoked three cigarettes and I'm fucking hell. So, uh, yeah. Um, thank you very much, all you listeners, for tuning in. I do hope you're enjoying it. As always, comments, criticisms, complaints, um, or just random queries, which doesn't make a bit of C, but hey, um, can be sent to the line hq at gmail.com. Uh, both myself and M check that email address uh, several times a day. And we'll be more than happy to reply <laughs> to... check it several times a day. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, I do. Not just for the... Oh, and I got that sound really fucking egotistical, didn't it? Not just for the emails. <laughs> All the lines and shit go there as well. I'm not just going, has anyone written to me? Nobody's written to me! All day. Um, it's all about me. <laughs> Why aren't they writing? No, Do they not know I am the Briton? Yeah, you don't have to fucking write. There's no fucking pressure. But if you wish to, please feel free. We will, of course, <laughs> respond. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see you next month. Yes. Yes. Bye, Chris. <laughs> I feel I should end on some witty anecdote, but I genuinely don't have anything. I'm a bit politicsed out. In the UK, we've just finished our election and everything, which pretty much tells you exactly when we're recording this. Um... And it's been a bit exhausting, and I've been following it night and day and not sleeping very much. So um, I'm a bit just full of politics. You don't want to hear about that suit. So, au revoir. Well, they'll hear about it in like three months. Yeah, they will indeed. <laughs> um, we'll see you in a month. Okay. Good night, uh, Chris. Bye. Bye, everybody. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.